Hi there, it's Uncle Salem again. Your pal, Uncle Salem, a.k.a. Paul Canellis. Um For those who don't know, which I assume would be most people in the world, I'm a horror writer. Actually, I write all kinds of stuff, but that's kind of my forte. I've written for a lot of different horror publications, Rue Morgue, Fright Times. Um, I write the articles for the Fear Finder Halloween newspaper over here in the Michigan and Ohio. You know, horror is my forte. I've written a whole bunch of books. The majority of them are horror related or Halloween related. And I'm the editor of Halloween Machine, which is a print magazine that just finished its 10th season. And I'm super proud of that because it was just some weird little idea I had 10 years ago. And now we made, you know, 10 years worth of issues. So that's really cool. So the purpose of this podcast, I thought, would be to just uh, talk about anything, but I really wanted to talk about horror and Halloween-related stuff. And I had an idea. Someone gave me this idea, but I don't remember who. My apologies if you're listening. But um, the idea was to go through on Xfinity. And go to horror classics and start it from the highest ranked horror movie and maybe talk a little bit about, I don't know, maybe the first 20 this time. And as I went into horror classics, I see that there are 1,627. So we won't be doing all of those this episode. But I thought maybe we'd go through and kind of take a look at, uh, I guess, what the critics say are the best horror movies of all time. Horror classics. These is, this is what these are listed as. And they're kind of like, it's what the critics think are the best. It's the Rotten Tomatoes um, highest ranked. So there's a lot of hundreds in here at the beginning. But we're going to start out with the very first one. And the very first one to me <laughs> is not horror. It's The Terminator. Um, the Terminator is a super fun movie. I remember being a kid and, uh, just being completely like, uh, overtaken with it. Like, oh man, Arnold and just the way he looked and how cool he was and how mean and crazy. I used to draw the Terminator, you know, when I was like 12, 13 years old, I used to draw him. But yeah, I'm going to say to me. It's kind of not a horror movie. It's more sci-fi. I guess it has horror elements. I don't know how controversial that'll be, but I think there'll be some other more controversial ones on this list as I'm looking ahead a little. Number two is E.T. All right. E.T. is not horror. So we're moving along. It's It's a good movie. I appreciate it a lot more now than I did when I was younger and trying to avoid seeing it. I watched it with my kids years after it came out. And, you know, I liked it. But I'm not going to talk a lot about it because it's not horror. So it doesn't go here. We'll talk about that on a different, you know, science fiction list or something. The next one, Alien. Now, a lot of people will probably get angry with me, but I do consider this science fiction first. Yes, it has a really cool monster. Yes, it has... Horror elements, again, um, a great jump scare. Um, a lot of the uh, atmosphere that a horror movie requires in terms of creating some 
tension. So if you call it horror, it's fine with me. I think of it more as sci-fi slash horror, but it counts. And it's, of course, it's freaking great. It's a great movie. It's Alien. Get out of here. Just that if I make a top ten, it's going to sit outside the top ten because I personally see it as a sci-fi horror movie. Which might be a cop-out. I don't know. Next up. I don't know if I've ever... There was a part of, a part in time where I didn't think of this as a horror movie, but I was just probably a young kid being goofy. And it's Jaws. Jaws clocks in at number four with a 98% critical rating. And a 90% audience rating, which is noteworthy. Now I do think of Jaws as a horror movie. But there was a point in time where I sort of didn't, I guess... Probably because I was stupid. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Um, Jaws, though, it's a template for, you know, all kinds of movies of this sort. You know, where animals are gone crazy and going after people or whatever. I actually went on the Jaws ride on Universal. And uh, it was it was pretty creepy, man. It was It was really cool. It wasn't, you know hella terrifying because it's Universal Studios. But eh, it was creepy. You go in this one section in a kind of a... I don't know the technical word for it right now, but it's like a big garage and the doors lock. The doors shut behind you and you can just feel the the shark underneath the boat kind of moving around. That was pretty cool. Um, Of course, it's pretty cool to come face-to-face with Jaws. (laughs) And uh, it's a, I really dig the ride because it's like a piece of, of horror history, cinema history. So yeah, Jaws, of course, amazing movie. Totally 98%, probably 100 I don't know. Who gave Jaws a bad review? Who knows? Next up is 98% Eyes Without a Face. Eyes Without a Face is a French movie, 1960 French movie. And it's a great movie. She has to, there's a doctor that's trying to repair a girl's face with stolen skin. And yeah, that's, it's as creepy as it sounds. And uh, 98%, that sounds about right. Uh, He kidnaps women and tries to fix his daughter's face with their skin. So yeah, that's probably quite a few years ahead ahead of its time in 1960 as well. Next up is the original, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, at 98%. That's the one with Kevin McCarthy. And yeah, I think this one actually holds up really well for its time period. I am someone who prefers the 1978 version. But uh, again, who is the person, who is the critic that gave Invasion of the Body Snatchers a bad review because it's at 98%. So I guess it was Armand White or somebody like that. And if you know, you know. Um, what? Where are we at here? Number seven? I should be number six. I'm going to call it number six because E.T., nah. I mean, even Terminator, I think, is a tenuous ad, but we're going to keep it. So number six, Aliens, 97%. The sci-fi horror sequel to the sci-fi horror classic. 
In this one, there's a whole army of these mugs. And, of course, Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, taking them on. That's from 1986. And I remember seeing this as a kid and being completely freaked out. To me, maybe it counts a little bit more as horror. But they're all horror. They're all, I'm not a gatekeeper. If it's horror, it's horror. So having said that, <laughs> number seven is Ghostbusters on this list. Now, Ghostbusters has horrific elements. But we're not going to quibble on calling it horror. It is what it is. Ghostbusters is great, man. I remember my dad took me to see this movie in 1984. So you can imagine a 12-year-old sitting in a theater just being immersed by Ghostbusters and what's going on on the screen. And, and when you're 12, especially in the 80s, yeah, I was probably a little bit creeped out, especially by the library scene. I think, I don't really remember the exact scenes that creeped me out, but I do remember feeling a sense of dread. And I generally associate it with the library scene when I see it as an adult. So I think that's what did it, but... This was another one that I became obsessed with after I saw it. You know, I had to have anything Ghostbusters related. But, you know, the weird thing is at the time, there weren't really Ghostbusters toys. They didn't have a kind of a, that kind of a market, really, that I remember. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't think toys really came into play until the Ghostbusters cartoon some years later. But I had to have in the notebooks and... um cups and all that kind of stuff and I I remember you know asking my parents for those and my mom buying me a Ghostbusters notebook that said I've been slimed on the front of it which I thought was freaking amazing anyways Ghostbusters Bill Murray Dan Aykroyd of course freaking just a great movie one of my favorite movies of my childhood um the late great Harold Ramis of course the always amazing Rick Moranis just a great cast, uh, Ernie Hudson, but you know, if you're listening to this, you probably know what Ghostbusters is, or you're a family member or friend of mine, so there you go. Okay, the, the first contender for me, for what is, might be the greatest hollow, greatest movie of all time, I almost gave you the title, and so you know what it is now, 96%, which is a little shady, again, Armand White, you son of a gun. Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, 1978. Does Halloween objectively live up to its reputation? Bruce Campbell called it the Cadillac of slasher films. I think it does live up to that reputation. And here's why. Because when I was younger, I thought Halloween movies were just like Friday the 13th movies. I thought they were just, you know, no offense to Friday the 13th movies. I've enjoyed, I enjoy a lot of them for what they are. And I love Jason Lives. It's one of my favorite horror movies. But I thought the Halloween movies were kind of more of the same, just a bunch of stupid kids, you know, getting killed by a lumbering, you know, monster for no reason. And uh, the first Halloween movie I actually saw I was in my 20s, and I worked at Blockbuster, and we got Halloween H2O in. Now, H2O, I took it home because they let us watch the movies the week before they came out. 
So we get to take them home, watch them, then we'd know things about them so we could talk to the customers when they came in. And we could be like, yeah, that movie was cool or whatever. So H2O was the first Halloween movie I actually saw. And that was probably in like 1998 or when it Yeah, it had to be 1998, yeah. And I liked it. So I really didn't watch any other Halloween movies for the longest time until I got uh, with my wife. And this has been some years ago now, almost 20 years probably. I finally, we finally watched Halloween. She'd never seen it before either. And I remember thinking as I watched it, just being completely immersed in the visual aspect of it. Not that it has this amazing cinematography, but it has this great atmosphere that we've come to find out they kind of manufactured since they were um, bringing leaves in and spreading them around, you know, because they were shooting in California instead of the Midwest city that it's set in. So that was impressive. But I remember my first thought was it looks almost like the camera is caressing every scene, like the way it was swooping in, the way it moves. I was just drawn into it right away. And I remember some of the most innovative and interesting, creepy scenes. In fact, one of my favorite horror scenes of all time to this day is, uh, Lori's leaning in front of a doorway and it's dark behind her. And then all of a sudden you just see, you know, it's almost like someone turns up a little light and you can just see Michael Myers standing right over her shoulder. So that had an immediate effect on me. And I was just like, wow, this movie. And then of course the score, because the score is so good and it just goes right with it. So Early on, I would say, as soon as I saw Halloween, I'm like, this movie's special. And it went right into my top five, you know. I remember it finished, and the music's playing, you know, and the Halloween theme's playing. And me and my wife just looked at each other, and she goes, wow. (laughs) And that kind of sums it up for me as well. To this day, if you ask me my favorite horror movie, I waffle back and forth on Halloween and The Exorcist and uh, Bride of Frankenstein in there somewhere. But I wonder sometimes deep inside if Halloween is probably my favorite. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I watch it seven or eight times a year. I put it on when I'm writing. And I'm going on and on too long about the same movie. So let's, let's, let's skip forward to <laughs> number nine on this list of horror classics. Sorted by critic score. Woo. Oh yeah, 96%. Okay, Armand White. Okay. Number nine, I think number nine, number nine, George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Does Night of the Living Dead deserve a 96%? Hell yes, it does. And in my mind, it's still the most important zombie movie. And I got to admit, I still think it's the best. That's just me. Because the first time I saw Night of the Living Dead, it really did feel almost like documentary footage. Uh, and and now it makes sense, now that I'm older and knowing that Romero started as a documentary um, filmmaker and a commercial filmmaker. But just the way it's shot, it creeps you, know, it creeps you out. Um, I also remember hearing my mom talk about this movie when she was young. 
when she was a kid and seeing Night of the Living Dead, I think she was, probably had to be, you know, pretty young, 16, 17. Um, uh, and she was terrified. I think, I think she said, I don't remember exactly if she had to walk home or ride a bike home or something, but I know she was scared and my uncle used to scare her with, uh, they're coming to get you, Barbara, the, the little Karloff impression. So mama, if you could clarify this, if you're listening to this podcast and you made it to number nine, which if you did, bravo, you must really love me to listen to all these horror movies. But if you could clarify the story of Night of the Living Dead, I just remember that it scared her. <laughs> Maybe she didn't even have to walk home. I might be mixing it up with Rob Zombie. I don't know. I get Rob Zombie and my mom kind of mixed up every once in a while. Not really, but that's just funny to say. Okay, number 10 is Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby is amazing. It does deserve the 96%. It is a horror classic. I'm more concerned with the rewatchability factor. Other people who really, really love this movie might want to weigh in on that. To me, if you've seen it, you've kind of seen it, but it is super well made. I have found myself being drawn in to watch it, you know, parts of it again, but I don't know if I've ever really watched it from credit to credit uh, more than once. Because it just seems like if you saw it, you kind of saw it, you know, unless you watch it with someone to show it to them. A lot of times that can rekindle interest, which is kind of how I feel about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Haha, <laughs> how about that for a segue? On Psycho at 96%. Now, Psycho, to me, has a lot of rewatchability factor, but it definitely has that, hey, have you seen Psycho? Then you should see it factor as well, because you want to watch your friends see it. Um, Psycho has the surprises. I won't spoil them here. For those of you who haven't seen it in its 51-year existence. Um, <laughs> but Psycho, <laughs> yeah, of course. A horror classic. You can make a case for it, again, as one of the top five horror movies ever made. Just based on influence alone, it's it's way up there, wherever you want to rank them in your own personal rankings. And fittingly, right next to Psycho on this list is Peeping Tom, because it's a movie that came out the same year, and a lot of people point to it as the first uh, kind of slasher. So Peeping Tom, 96%. I know a lot of people think it's better than Psycho. Um, it's certainly great. It deserves its status. To me, it's not better than Psycho, but it, it's great. Now, Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet is interesting. It's Because you'd say, does it hold up? Well, in terms of, are you going to be terrified from watching Forbidden Planet? Probably not. But that's not everything in horror. Like, to me, when people say, eh, that movie didn't scare me, so I didn't like it. To me, that's weird, because if you watch a lot of horror movies, they probably don't scare you that much anymore, you know? It's just probably one of those things they don't have the same impact after a certain amount of time you've seen so many of them you're not going to take away the same thing from it that being said uh forbidden planet 
is completely watchable in 2021. It's super fun. Young Leslie Nielsen. Um, Anne Francis, of course. She stars in Forbidden Planet. Um, yeah, Forbidden Planet. If you haven't seen Forbidden Planet, watch it. You'll like it, I promise. Even if you don't love horror, you'll probably enjoy Forbidden Planet. Next on that list, and it's going down now to 95%. Evil Dead 2. <laughs> and yes, Evil Dead 2 is, wow, it's, it's amazing. I love Evil Dead 2. It's funny. It's creepy. It has that amazing Bruce Campbell performance. Um, Sam Raimi. I, did Sam Raimi edit that movie? I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up. Who am I asking? My dog? Luna, did Sam Raimi edit Evil Dead 2? She doesn't know. She lifted an eyebrow at me. Anyways, I think he did. And the editing is just <laughs> insane. But yet, Evil Dead 2, super fun, super cool. Um, rewatchability factor on a scale of 1 to 10 is an 11. Amazing lines, amazing creatures. Oh, it's just so good. And very funny. I don't know if you like your horror funny, but I do. Next up is A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> so, A Nightmare on Elm Street at 95%. Now, this might be 95%. I might be a little controversial here and say, of course Nightmare on Elm Street deserves to be <laughs> this super high up. It's probably higher. It's a nightmare on Elm Street. What What do you think? It's a classic, and it's also maybe the prime... I don't, I don't want to go out on a limb and be too overboard with it, but it is one of the best horror movies of the 80s. And it really, really holds up in terms of rewatchability. Partially, okay, mostly, because Robert Englund is just... So great. Now, again, this is one of those I probably don't need to go on and on about A Nightmare on Elm Street because if you're listening to it, you know who Freddy is, you know. But to me, one of the original boogeymen of that era, and you know, Wes Craven's directing on this is, is really good, really good too, because he makes you kind of care about the characters, which is something that Halloween did, which is another reason why I think. These are infinitely rewatchable movies because you know what's going to happen after you've seen it, but you still care. You still care about uh, the characters. You still care about Tina and Glenn. And of course you care about Nancy. And, uh, you know, I did watch this last week right before Halloween, the holiday. And I did notice that the mom is a little squirrely. I mean, I've noticed that before, obviously over the years, but yeah. She's a little squirrely, so maybe if you watched it with a younger generation, they they would probably be laughing at a lot of uh, Nancy's mother's antics. That's just a guess. But this is one that we watched with my mom. A whole group of us kids watched this with my mom. Um, and I'm not sure if we were more scared or she was more scared. And I won't elaborate too long on that because my mom might be listening to this 
and uh, but she didn't she did want everyone to wait outside the bathroom for her after she saw it and had to use the bathroom. So you let that, you know, draw your conclusions from that. You know, I'm not going to lie. I One of the only nightmares I've had from a movie was from Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, so I take that as a, I put that in the pros category. <laughs> There's only three or four where I could be like, this was directly because I watched this movie, this nightmare. It's a Nightmare on Elm Street, Pumpkinhead, and the Drop of Water segment from Black Sabbath. And if you've seen it, oh, that's creepy. But anyways, yeah, so Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, deserves its spot. Next up is The Evil Dead. And I was about to poo-poo it being 95% because I thought from the picture they're using here, which you can't see right now, is was the remake but it's not it's the evil dead the original still still spooky still creepy and effective atmosphere is amazing this might be one of the ones that's actually even kind of better not in hd as much as i enjoy watching in hd it's with that grainy look the way i first saw it yeah that was that was really creepy and we got to have Tom Sullivan out for some of our fun horror cons. And and he talked about how he made a lot of these effects in this movie. But yeah, short and simple. Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Tom Sullivan, Evil Dead, 95%. Yeah, it deserves it. So where are we at here? 11, 12, 13, 40, 56, 17. I think we're on 17. And at number 17 is Nosferatu the Vampire. Not the original, uh, the 1979 version featuring Klaus Kinski as the uh, in the Count Dracula role, and um, you know it, it's had a lot of uh, influence on movies since it came out. Um, Warner Herzog, the director, of course, one of the great directors. Ninety-five percent. I mean, yeah, I guess. It, because of what it is and the time period that it came out. And it is pretty, pretty creepy. It's not my favorite on this list. But don't be mad at me. I do like it. The same goes for this one. Don't Look Now is next up. 95%. Julie Christie and uh, Donald Sutherland. And I think the reason why I don't really like this movie is... I mean, I don't not like it. I like it. But it's not one that I seek out to watch a lot. Is because it is uh, sad. It's sad. And it's kind of a bummer. It's kind of a downer. But it's very effective. And I, it is a horror movie. I've, I've heard a lot of people argue that it's a thriller. But it's a horror movie. It deserves the 95% though. Regardless of my personal feeling towards wanting to ever watch it a whole bunch of times. Yeah, it's 95%. Um, I think, uh, what was that? 17, 18. So here's 19. And it's The Birds. Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Now, the... I, I can't say that it doesn't hold up because it's still very stressful. It's still very tense. Um, but I do see kind of some chinks in the armor of the birds 
And, uh, you know, it's nothing that's going to stop you from enjoying it or keeping it off the list. So far, pretty much every movie that's on here deserves its, its high ranking. So maybe this was a, a weird one to start. Maybe I should start it in the middle of this list and then we'll see, you know, does them really deserve to be 93% or whatever it is. But yeah, I've heard uh, that Ray Bradbury, uh, Hitchcock had wanted Ray Bradbury to write this movie originally. And he didn't get to, and he really wished that he could have, because he would have done a lot of things differently. And I kind of wish he would have too. But yeah, the birds, you know, of course, it's going to hold your attention, and it's still a very tense movie. The next one is one of the first horror movies I ever saw. This is number 20, and it is The Fly. So, The Fly, the original The Fly. 1958, um, of course, David Hedison is the fly, and his brother is the great Vincent Price. And, you know, this movie, it really did have a, quite an effect on me as a kid after I saw it. And it also has a bummer of an ending, but man, is that a hair-raising ending for a movie from 1958. So does the fly hold up? Uh, yeah, it does. It really does. It's very effective. It must have been just completely shocking in 1958. I believe this is the movie that uh, my uncle Bob and my grandfather saw in the theater. And my uncle Bob was a little freaked out by it, you know, and his dad kind of put his arm around him and told him it was okay. I think it was the fly. Anyways, um, yeah. So The Fly, of course, 95%, it holds up. So there you go. That's the top 20 horror classics by Critics Score on Xfinity slash Rotten Tomatoes as I'm looking at this. Because each one is the Rotten Tomatoes score, the Critics Score, and the Audience Score. Now, the Audience Score for The Fly is 71%. The heck? Alrighty then. Yeah, I don't understand that. I might do this again sometime, sitting here and uh, just thinking of a uh, subject and going into the next 20 and see what we see, talk about each one a little bit. This would be a really cool um, podcast for maybe my other podcast buddies, uh, the Ghoulcast, something that we would discuss, maybe a couple, two, three of us. That would be pretty fun to do. But maybe next time I have a special guest on this show, you never know. You can probably get my daughter Audrey to weigh in, or my buddy Glenn, or my buddy Chris, or my buddy Lucifer. Yes, I have a friend named Lucifer. Anyways, if you actually listen to this for a half an hour, wow. Bless your heart. You are a true friend. Or you just really, really love horror. Or both. <laughs> or you're my mom. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that does it for this episode of Uncle Salem Speaks. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And we'll try to do something else, maybe kind of weird and different next time. Thanks a lot. Have a blessed night or day.